Hey guys, we've been uh, going through this series through 1 Samuel. We've entitled it, Weathering Life with a Sovereign God. And I think that's a pretty fitting title because the Christian life, I don't know if you realize this, is not necessarily, I know maybe somebody told you that everything will be great when you come to Jesus. Well, then you realize that life still happens. Difficult struggles happen in your life. Things that press on you and make you want to make decisions that you know necessarily are not what God wants you to make. And things attack your faith, especially the crises that happen and you don't see God working the way that you want him to work. So that's why we're doing this series through First Samuel. We're wanting, we're wanting to learn faith lessons from what the historical book is telling us about the people who are there. So we've seen some things from Samuel. We've seen some things from the Israelites. We're looking here, we looked at it this week, last week, we're looking at it this week, about King Saul, who's the king of Israel, who's supposed to be a leader directing Israel and what's supposed to be going on in their lives. But we can learn some faith lessons from his life. Actually, we can learn some faith lessons from his mistakes. Because he made some big mistakes. And actually, they're the kind of mistakes that you kind of have to shake your head at. Because really, when you're talking about doing what God is calling you to do, it really means doing what God calls you to do. But the problem is, is we want to do what God calls us to do on our own terms. Do you know what I mean? In fact, here's what we do. It's kind of like, you know, I'm a dad, so I've got four kids. And, and I'm, I'm not going to pick on anyone because they all do this. Okay. You tell them to do something. Okay, I want you to take the garbage out to the road. It's Thursday. It's garbage day. Take the garbage out, okay? So, okay, so they go and they take the garbage out. Now, they only take two of the garbage containers out. They leave a third in the garage. And then you're like, everybody's looking at Sawyer. He's not the one. Don't worry, okay? So, all right, so, uh, so anyhow... So then when you go out there, you're like, well, there's a third one. And then you go, I thought I told you to take the garbage out. Well, I did. I did. And in a way, they did, right? They only took two of the three. And and in their mind, partial obedience is the same as obedience, right? Isn't that what we do with God? God, I know you told me to do this, but on my own terms, I only need to do part of it. The other thing was optional. Isn't that what we think? We often think of things as being optional with God. And, and that's what we're really going to talk about today is how we have this tendency to want to do things on our own terms. Well, let's back up for a moment, okay? All right, if I was going to ask all of you here a pretty direct question, out just if it was just interacting with you, and I would say to you, do you want to see God working in your life? Do you want to see the blessing of God? Everybody would say, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see God. I want to know that he answers prayer. I want to, I want to see him interacting in my life. And I were to say to you, well, are you seeing that now? Probably most of you would say, no, I'm not seeing that. I want that. But I'm not seeing that. And I'm not sure why. Well, the issue isn't, can I be honest with you, not because you don't have enough faith. I know what the guys on TV are telling you. If you have enough faith, then you should be able to do this. That's not the issue. You have enough faith. 
The issue is acting on your faith. What do you mean acting on my faith? Well, the issue is, is if you look at your life and you look at what God tells you to do. I'm not telling you what some church told you to do, what some preacher told you to do, because we always got things we can tell you to do. But what God told you to do, when you're reading his word, when you're spending time with him in prayer, and you get this overwhelming sense where God is saying to you, I want you to do this. Are you doing it? Or, in many instances, are you only doing it partially? And in your mind, I'm doing what God told me to do. Well, you're going to see that partial obedience on your terms is not obedience to God. We're going to see that here in the passage. Let me explain to you what we're doing. Let's look at the passage together. We're going to look at verses 1 to 34. We're just going to read sections of it together. Okay? So let's look at it together. Verse 1. Samuel, okay, remember he's the prophet guiding Israel. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Temelea, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you have showed kindness to all the children of Israel when, you, when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Malachites. So Saul attacked the Malachites from Hivlah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Okay, so here's what we're going to see, folks. What was he told to do? He was told to do, by God, wipe out the Amalekites because of what they did to Israel years ago. So guess what? He starts off thinking, okay, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But you're going to notice something here. He's going to do partial obedience. So that's the first section we're going to look at here. Partial obedience. I want to make two points here. What's going on? Okay? Here it is. Number one, you start out seeking to fulfill the Lord's command. So everybody starts out on the right foot. Everybody knows what God's telling them to do. And here in this instance, King Saul knows. Samuel the prophet comes to him and says, look, I want to teach them a lesson. I want to destroy them because of what they did to my people. I want you to go there and I want you to wipe them out completely. Every human being, every animal, everything, destroy everything. Destroy them. So guess what? Saul says, okay, I'm on it. Calls up what? whole bunch of soldiers, gathers them all together, heads out to take care of the Amalekites, and he starts out 
on the right foot, right? Everybody starts out on the right foot. This is what I want you to see. If we were to go to each one of us here and we were to say to them, do you want to live the way the Lord wants you to live? Everybody would say, yes. Not very many people would say no. Everybody would say, I want to do what the Lord tells me to do. Well, here it is. You interact with God in your personal time with him. You study his word, and he very clearly tells you what you're supposed to do. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. You start out on the right foot. Everybody's there. We all want to do what God wants us to do, right? Am I right in saying that? That's what Saul's doing here. Starts out on the right foot. But here's the second thing I want you to see. Here's the problem. For whatever reason, you change the terms of the fulfillment. For whatever reason, I don't know what the issue is. In my life, when I do the partial obedience thing, I've got my reasons. You've got your reasons. For whatever reason. As you're trying to do what God calls you to do, you change the terms. Do you understand what I'm saying? You change the terms. So like when I mentioned about my kids taking out the garbage. Somewhere between dad saying, take the garbage to the road, and going and opening up the garage, and taking it out somewhere in their mind, something changed. Now dads spend a lot of time speculating and lecturing as to why they think it happened, okay? We don't necessarily know, but somewhere something changed in their mind. You and I do that with God all the time, don't we? I mean, we do. I do it. God, you told me to do this. God, you told me to act this way. God, you, you said this. And then somewhere along the line, for whatever reason, we change the terms, and in our mind, we're still doing what God told us to do. Isn't that what we do? That's exactly what King Saul does here. In fact, I want you to notice the next section here. Look with me. We'll look at verses 10 through 21. This is, this is almost as laughable, but you can't laugh at it because he's doing exactly what you and I would do. Look with me at verse 10. God has a reaction to this. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set Saul up as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel arose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was said to Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he has set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, pass by, and come down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. All right, let me read that again. This is what he says, folks. He says, Blessed are you of the Lord. He's recognizing that Samuel's a prophet. And then notice what he says. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I did what God told me to do. Now listen to what Samuel says. What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? 
So you did what God told you. What am I hearing? What am I hearing? All right, so notice now. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, and you were not the head of the tribes, did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of the Amalekites, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, and the best of things, which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Now here's what I want you to see. We're going to look at Saul's perspective here. Okay? Now when you read this, is Saul doing what God told him to do? Well, yeah, kind of. He just kind of left out a few things. But he's, but he's okay. Is he? Notice what happens here. First thing, number one, from your perspective, you carried out the Lord's command. Here's what Saul says. Samuel shows up. Saul's like, I've done what God told me to do. From his perspective, Samuel's saying it from the perspective of God and says, well, if that's true, why am I hearing these animals in the background? Why am I hearing these sheep and these oxen? What's, what's going on here? If you did what God told you, God told you to what? Destroy everything. But you only did a little bit of it. What's going on here? The, the thing is, is from Saul's perspective, because he's operating on what? His own terms. From Saul's perspective, he's done what God's told him to do. Now, you and I could look at that and say, come on, Saul, seriously. Yeah, but we do the same thing every day, don't we? You know, for a fact that God speaks to us and he tells us areas in our life and he says to you, don't do this. So let, let me give you an example. So maybe here you're struggling with something in your life that's ensnared you. It's the besetting sin in your life and you want to deal with that area and you constantly are going to God, God set me free from this, set me free from it. Okay, and the Lord speaks to you and says to you, okay, but you need to stop doing this. And you know, okay, i got to stop doing this. But here's what you do. You make allowances, don't you? And in your mind, I'm only doing part of it, but I'm so I'm still doing what God told me to do. But in the other sense of the word, you're only doing just part of it. 
Even though you think you're doing what God told you to do, you're not. Because you're 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 kind of playing with it. You know, it kind of reminds me of a story I read years ago about a dad who was watching his little girl, his toddler, I mean, she was in kindergarten or something, and he told her not to go out to the road. Stay in the yard. Don't go on the sidewalk, because the sidewalk's right next to the road. And they're in a busy neighborhood. And he says, don't go near the sidewalk. Don't touch the sidewalk. And the little girl's like, okay, daddy, I won't touch the sidewalk. So he goes about, he's pruning the bushes and everything, he's, and then he kind of like, he's keeping an eye on his girl, and so he, after a while he's pruning, he looks over and there's his little girl, and then he notices with her bare feet, she's in the grass, but she's trying to get her toes as close to what? The sidewalk as possible. Isn't that what we do? It's called partial obedience, right? This is what's going on. From his perspective, he's carrying out the Lord's command. Here's the second thing he does. Notice with me. There's a tendency to spiritualize our adjustments to the Lord's commands. So here's what Saul says. Oh, well, you know, we wanted to sacrifice to the Lord. And so we, we kept the best of the animals. We kept the best of the animals to, to make a sacrifice to him back here at Gilgal. That's why you're here in the sheep. That's why you're here in the oxen. But those are for sacrifice. Now the problem is, here's the problem. The command of the Lord, we don't see it in our English translation, but when God says to destroy them, that, that's actually a sacred word, meaning that they were to be destroyed as a sacrifice to God. It was a holy thing. Everything was to belong to God in judgment. He didn't need, but in, in Saul's mind, he's trying to spiritualize it. Well, the people, they took it to, to worship you. And sometimes, here's, here's the deadly thing that happens with us as believers. We'll do the partial obedience thing in our lives, but we'll come up with spiritualized excuses as to why we don't want to be completely, what? Obedient to God. That's what's going on here. It's all perspective. There's a tendency to spiritualize our adjustments. Here's the thing. We see partial fulfillment as complete fulfillment. We see partial fulfillment as complete fulfillment. In our mind, yeah, you told me ten things, but I did eight of the ten. So I did it. But see, God doesn't operate the way we do. God operates when he tells us to do something. He wants us to be able to what? Do it. But we're thinking, I only need to do eight of the ten. That's what Saul's thinking here. Saul's thinking that. Next thing I want you to see on the perspective is this. Here's the, here's the reality. When confronted with your disobedience, you shift the blame. When confronted with your disobedience, you shift the blame. So here's what Saul does. Samuel comes to him, throwing a big beat down on him because he's not doing what God told him to do and he's trying to answer for it. Finally, his response is, well, the people made me do it. 
the people. Let's stop for a moment. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can command whatever he wants to do. In fact, the history of Israel up to that point was, is their leaders, whenever they said, destroy something, they did. They destroyed it. The people know that. But here's what's going on. He's shifting the blame. He's shifting the blame. Well, you know, God, I know you told me to do this, but you don't really understand the pressure I'm getting right now at home. Or, God, you don't know the pressure I'm getting at work. Or, Lord, you don't know the pressure I'm getting from this circumstance that I'm in, and it's telling me I need to act in this way. And, and so we shift the blame. We never want to take personal responsibility, if you notice that. It's always somebody else's fault or always something else. That's causing you to what? Say, well, I can't completely follow what God's telling me to do. That's what we see here. That's what we see here in this passage. Now then, the next thing I want you to see is this. Verses 22 to 34 tell us what really matters. Two things we're going to see here. Look with me. We've read 22. Look at verse and 23. Look at verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord your God because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin. Return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around and to go away and Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then I said, I have sinned. Yet honor me, please, before the elders of my people, before Israel. Return with me that I may worship the Lord. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshipped the Lord. All right, now here's what we're going to see. Two things. Really back in 22, we see the perspective of God. Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Here's what I want you to see. Two things. Number one, obedience is more important to the Lord than your spiritual actions. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Obedience is more important to God than your spiritual actions. We've got that reversed in church. I'm just going to be honest with you. In church, we have this concept that for me to be a good Christian, to be to be somebody who loves the Lord, to follow the Lord, follows the Lord, then that means I need to show up every time the doors open on a place. I need to be at every activity. I need to, uh, it, it, you, it's communicated, not necessarily true, but I need to give. I need to volunteer. And if I do those things, then God, I, I'm following you. I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good believer. I'm a good follower of Christ. Actually, that has nothing to do with anything. 
Well, what do you mean it has nothing to do with it? Because that's what I've been told all my life going to church that if I do all these things, then I'm okay with God. I read my Bible all the, all the, all the time, George. I pray. Isn't it interesting? You read your Bible. Two minutes later, you can't even remember what you read. You pray. You don't even remember that you prayed. Those are just religious actions. Here's what I want you to see. God's, God, God's saying to the prophet here, the issue of what impresses God is not all this lip service stuff that we do, and I do it and you do it. It's what? What really matters to God is that you do what he tells you to do. That's what matters. And again, let me just say, well, you're telling me whatever the preacher says. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you interact with God on a personal level and you're reading his word and you're talking to him about how you should live in your life, I'm almost guaranteed, I know it, that the Spirit of God is speaking to you and he's telling you, this is the way I want you to walk. This is how I want you to respond in that situation. This is how I'm wanting you to live your life. And it comes from his word. What really matters to God is not that you do all the religious stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because people do all kinds of religious stuff all over the world. It means nothing. What matters to God more than anything is that you be obedient to him. You do what he tells you to do. Do you understand? Do you understand? It's not how you look. It's whether you do what God calls you to do. That's what's important. Obedience is more important than your spiritual actions. Now here's the second thing about what really matters. Your response to the Lord's rebuke reflects your heart condition. Because that's where the rubber meets the road now. Okay? All right, let's stop for a moment. All right, so let's let's kind of put everybody here on a play, level playing field for a moment. All right, so uh, if you're a perfect person and you never do anything wrong, could you please raise your hand right now? Look around. I want you to see the perfect people. Okay, so everybody, we're on a level playing field. Nobody's perfect, right? Everybody here does wrong. Everybody here sins. Everybody in agreement with that? Okay. Everybody here doesn't do everything God tells them to do. Am I right in saying that? Okay, all right. The scripture tells us that when we are not obedient to God, that he, because he loves us, disciplines us. He calls us into account. He confronts us, whatever ways. And he has numerous ways to do this, either through other people, through circumstances, situations. God deals with us about the stuff that happens in our lives. Now, what really matters to God is this. What matters to God is that when he disciplines you, the issue isn't the discipline. The issue is how you respond to it. Did you hear me? The issue isn't that he disciplined you, because we're all going to be disciplined. I mean, a loving father will discipline his children, right? And scripture very clearly says in Hebrews that he scourges every son or daughter that he loves. God disciplines us because he's guiding our lives to be what he wants us to be. 
But the question is, what really reflects your heart is how you respond to it. Notice now, Saul, he's quick to what? Oh, I'm sorry, I've sinned. But what's he worried about? Come with me to the worship so that everybody sees you're with me, Samuel. See, that's the difference between repentance and remorse. Repentance is, I'm broken, I know I've done wrong. Remorse, I'm sorry I got my hand caught in the cookie jar. Let's get back to normal. Isn't that what remorse is? Time shows the difference. It's how you respond. It's how you respond. I remember the first church I pastored in Canada. I was involved in a situation. It was not a good situation where one person confronted another about something that happened years ago. And in this situation, the person who was the offender confessed, acknowledged. And everything thought that they were okay. Now, here's the thing. Have you noticed in the life that when you hurt somebody, you can't just walk away from the hurt real quickly? Have you noticed that? Usually the person who has been hurt remembers that hurt for a long time, right? And usually what will happen is, is they'll bring it up again. Not just again, they'll bring it up multiple times. And so I was talking to the person who was the offender one day. We were in the garage, and he was working on a vehicle. And he says, why can't they just get over it? No, they can't. You hurt them deeply. And here I am as a young pastor, and I realized, this was six months later. Here's what I realized. The difference between what? Remorse and repentance. You acknowledged it when it was the heat of the moment, but here you are six months later, you still don't care what you did to them. Because repentance would recognize, I hurt that person greatly, and that takes a while to heal. There's a difference between what? Remorse and repentance. See, this is what's going on here. Here you have, God says, I'm not interested in your spirituality or whatever. I'm interested in you being obedient. And then here's what I want you to see through Saul's life. How you respond to God's rebuke, that reveals where your heart really is. That's what reality is. You say, okay, George, what are we doing with this? All right, well, let me give you two thoughts. Here's the first one. We're going to take this story and all that it is with King Saul, Samuel, his partial obedience, how God responds, how he's responding to God, his excuses he's making, and we're going to wrap it down to two things I want you to ponder, okay? This is for me and for you. Here's the first one. Consider how you view the issue of obedience to the Lord. Consider how you view it. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you right off the bat. I'm going to tell you right now, you probably have never given it any thought before. You probably haven't given it any thought before because, you know, when God tells you to do something, you know that as a believer, you should just do it. Uh, but the problem is, is that if you really thought about it for a moment, all of us as believers see everything that God tells us as, let me just go ahead and say it, as optional. It's optional. And we have our reasons for it. Some reasons might be, well, you know, if I don't do it, he'll forgive me. Isn't that what we say? 
I know I shouldn't do this, but God forgives. We view doing what God tells us to do as optional. And so we don't think about it. But we really need to take a step back. We need to take a step back even further and say, okay, why am I not experiencing God in my life like I want to experience him? Why am I not seeing the blessing of God? Why am I not seeing his answers? Hey, guys, think about it for a moment. Psalm 66. If we regard iniquity in our heart, he will what? Not hear our prayers. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. He tells very clearly, wives, I mean husbands, love your wives. If you don't love them, then what? He won't hear your prayers. Very clearly connecting the fact that God's not listening to the prayer of husbands if they don't treat their what? Wives right. And so there you are. You're like, why is God not working in my life? Well, it may be, let's be honest with you, it may be coming right down to the issue of how do you view the issue of doing what he told you to do? Is it optional? Do you think that partial obedience to whatever God's telling you to do is okay? See, you got to consider how you view the issue of obedience in your life. you got to think about that. Now, here's the second one. Your response to the Lord's correction reveals the condition of your heart. Your response to the Lord's correction reveals the condition of your heart. Now here, I'm just going to say it right now. If you know Jesus and you're walking with him the way you're wanting to walk with him, you're following him, you've committed your life to him. If you know Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, when you do wrong, God's going to correct you. You may want to write that down. When you do wrong, God's going to correct you. Do you understand that? You, you might as well say that's just an unwritten law that's period. If, if you do wrong, God's going to correct you. Period. He's going to bring something in your life to adjust you back to where you need to be. Now, if you're not seeing correction, that in itself says something. Did you hear me? If you're not seeing correction, that says something. That maybe you're not his child. But if you're a child of God and you're not going in the direction he wants you to go, you're going to experience his correction. Now, here's the issue. How you respond to the correction of God in your life reveals the condition of your heart. Because the closer you are to Jesus, you'll respond to him. But if you're heading away in the wrong direction, you're not going to respond to him at all. You're going to be worried about who? Like Saul. Worried about how you look to other people. That's something to think about. And you're saying, okay, George, where did, you know what? We're, we're doing this thing about weathering life and faith lessons. What does this have to do with faith? It has everything to do with faith. Because obedience is an act of faith. You hear what I'm saying? 
Obedience is an act of faith. When God tells you to do something, it takes faith to do what he's telling you to do. Now do you see the lesson? Because when you're not doing it, it's saying something. You're not believing him. You're not trusting him. And what we want to do is have God bring us to the place where we're like, Lord, we'll do what you're telling us to do. Even though these other things are going on, we'll do what you're telling us to do. Let me pray for you.